Hello, Fried fans, and welcome to Season 4 of Fried, the Burnout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Donovan, and my mission with Fried is to hashtag end burnout culture. On this pod, we end burnout culture by sharing stories of people who have been through it all, sharing expert tips from the best in the burnout field, sharing hashtag straight from Kate episodes with my own expertise and some fun research now that I'm a student again, plus sharing actionable steps to help you end burnout starting today. If you're feeling burnt out right now and you need personalized guidance, you can book a free breakthrough burnout call with me. You'll find the link bit.ly backslash call Kate in the show notes. Also, if you love fried and want to be part of our community, we'd love to have you. Just head over to Facebook and type in fried the burnout podcast discussion and click to join our group. It's a place for continued healing, deeper conversations and connections with people who just get it. And now for this week's episode. All right, fried fans. You have no idea how excited I am to have this conversation right now. I didn't even know that I was going to be this excited to have this conversation, but I got a pitch. I read the bio and I was like, why am I not best friends with this person? Then I started reading her book and I was like, you're kidding. So I am thrilled to introduce you to Shelly Paxton. She, I want you to think about her as Brené Brown meets Biker Babe with a dash of Liz Gilbert. As former chief marketing officer of Harley Davidson, Shelly found herself at the top of the proverbial mountain feeling success empty instead of success full. That awakening led her to a profound, profound soul badical journey that became her mission, business, and best-selling book, Soulbatical, A Corporate Rebel's Guide to Finding Your Best Life. She's now leading a revolution to rewrite the script of success and liberate a billion souls. Shelly. Oh, soul sister. <laughs> Welcome we aboard. Last. Thank right? you. Yay for us. I'm so thrilled to meet you. I'm so excited to be in your presence. And we always start fried with your burnout story. So please take the stage, take the time you need. I'm going to sit back and listen, maybe make some notes about questions and, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Yeah, I love it. I'm so honored to be here. And I love that the universe brought us together and we are friends now. So yay, yay. And uh, my burnout story. So I will, I won't tell you the five hour version of it. So I'll do, I'll do the, the nutshell version of it. So my, I mean, you encapsulated a lot of my story, but the, the context that I'll add to it is I spent 26 years as an advertising and marketing executive. And honestly, and I know you can relate to this from the outside, I had the absolute perfect, like, shiny, sexy career. Mm. And imagine at the top of that mountain, I'm chief marketing officer of Harley Davidson. I've been through, you know, crazy stuff. You know, I've had a, a really pretty astounding global marketing career. I've worked really iconic brands from McDonald's to AOL to Visa. Then I go through this epic divorce. I think my life has fallen apart and I get a call from Harley freaking Davidson asking me to come and help build their global marketing organization. And I'm 40 years old and I'm like, is there a better fucking way to reinvent yourself and get back in touch with your rebel soul? I think not. So for me, it was like, instead of really maybe taking the time to slow down and reflect and go inward after my divorce and, you know, things that just like really kind of shattered me, I was like, nope, I'm going to attach my identity to that thing. And I'm going to go learn to ride a motorcycle and I'm going to wear black leather and badass boots to work every day. And I am going to like, and ride motorcycles around the world and be amazing. And this is, this is like, I mean, I couldn't imagine How old are you a better right now way to reinvent myself. So this is me at 40. <laughs> okay. So this is midlife, right? Yeah. Ish. And, you know, so newly single, now badass, you know, in the boardroom, in leather, learning to ride a motorcycle, doing all the things. And about, let's see, I was at Harley for a total of six and a half years and about five and a half years in, I mean, it was, it was a, a rough ride. I mean, it is to this day, it is a brand I will always love and honor and celebrate. Harley is Harley for a reason just the community and everything that the brand stands for and what they've created and just the bond, all of it. 
at the same time, Harley's the company, like every other company. And I was definitely a, you know, in my quest to be this badass, like trying to be all things to all people and all my boundaries fell. And I was bending over backwards and people pleasing. And I realized like, this has been a pattern in my life. Mm. And so I am getting progressively more exhausted. I'm traveling all over. Granted, it's, you know, pretty sexy travel. I'm riding motorcycles in Brazil and South Africa, but I'm also working every time zone and every weekend and I'm not feeling well and I'm numbing myself and I'm starting to drink way too much wine every single night. And then about five and a half years in, I start having like low level kind of chronic illnesses going mm. on five and a half years in, I start having this nightmare. You know this because mm-hmm. you've read the book and this mm-hmm. is where the book starts. Mm-hmm. And I am seeing the same thing night after night after night. And it is ripping me out of my sleep. And frankly, it's the universe, like waking me up to the fact that I have totally lost connection with my soul. And with myself and that after a lot of examination and exploration and seeing doctors and started learning about slowing down and mindfulness and meditation, I start to realize and understand that what this dream is telling me is that I am like the dream is a proxy for my soul and that my soul was malnourished and longing for attention, longing to be fed and loved, and that I was living my dad's dream. That ultimately, this thing called success that I'm putting in air quotes was somebody else's definition of it. That I was ticking all the boxes of traditional success when the majority of those, you know, money and titles and accolades and promotions and material things, like all of it wasn't feeding me inside and wasn't truly connecting with me. And that's what led to the language that you read in my bio, like this idea, like, holy shit, you can get to the top of a particular mountain and feel success empty. The whole world looks at you and goes, oh my God, she has everything. Mm -hmm. Look at her. And you're going, oh my God, this is all just armor and it's spit polished (laughs) to a shine. And I'm a hot fucking mess on the inside. And I'm afraid to say anything because I've been taught that this is what success looks like. Yeah. And And you will tear me down if I tell you, because you're going to tell me how good my life looks. Yeah. Right. I actually had someone say to me, word for word, you have everything that everyone has ever wanted when I was the most miserable I had ever been. And the guilt that comes with that. I mean, I say this in the book too. I was like, I I felt this incredible guilt for like, oh my God. Okay. So first of all, I acknowledge my privilege Mm -hmm. and my good fortune. I'm also super clear that I worked my fucking ass off to get where I got and Asking that one simple question, like, is this all there is? Mm -hmm. Is there a reason I can have all the things everybody's told me were like success in life? And I feel like this on the inside and feeling just like heartbreakingly guilty about that thought. I was there. Yeah. This is to me, my sort of like number one client base. Because this is exactly how I felt. I was on top of the world when I burnt out. I had all the success, all of it, all of it in a foreign country, in a foreign language. Very impressive, right? Like I'm, I'm, very, I'm using air quotes yeah. right now. Yeah, like, but very seriously. Impressive. But me looking at you, yeah. anyone looking at you from the outside is yeah. like, oh, oh my. God, like, does yes. it get any better than that? I would give a limb to have that. That's what people yeah. felt about me at Harley. I'm, I'm like, like, I will give a limb to get out of it. <laughs> exactly. And in exactly. your book, you, you have this sentence that sums up what you just said, saying any of this out loud will make me seem ungrateful for the abundance of privilege and good fortune I've been gifted. This is what pe- people say this to me all the time. We talk very often on the podcast about being stuck in a golden cage. Yeah that you don't have to be destitute to be burnt out. But when you are lucky financially, 
you all of a sudden feel like you have no right to complain about anything in life. And it's like, I don't know where we got that idea. Oh, and layer onto it, this idea that asking for help Mm. or even looking at another, you know, way of living, way of being is somehow a sign of weakness. Mm. And that was the other thing I really struggled with is like, well, you know, you have to keep looking strong and quote unquote, like you have your shit together (laughs) because everybody's looking at you and you've got all the things and look like you have your shit together while you cry alone at night on, you know, your second bottle of wine. Like that's bullshit. I think a big part of all of this, my mission and the work you do in the world is like just saying you're not alone. Yeah. We're in this together. And 100%. more of us feel this way than I ever knew five years ago when I walked away from Harley. I truly thought I was alone. I'm guessing you felt the same. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and people thought I was crazy. Yeah. I just kept moving countries thinking <laughs> the best oh, feeling is oh in a God, new we country. We do have so much in common. If I just travel the world, <laughs> my demons will get lost. <laughs> and those bitches find you. Oh, hell yeah, they do. Everywhere. (laughs) They find you everywhere. So you're on the top of this mountain. You know that it's precarious because it doesn't feel solid. You know that you could tip over the edge at any moment. People think it looks solid. And you're like, I'm about to jump and I don't even have a parachute. When did that decision hit you? And from how long did it take from that decision hitting you to actually making it happen? <laughs> to jumping without the parachute mm-hmm. <laughs> or with this parachute that I nicknamed Sylvatical. And I was <laughs> like, well, let's see if this fucker can fly. <laughs> right. Um, uh, it's, it's such a good question because, you know, these things, listen, I'm human and, and, this last year, so it was a final, the final year that I was at Harley that I'm having this nightmare and it's five nights a week. I mean, it is like, yeah, you want to sleep, bitch? Uh-uh, uh-uh. I mean, it was literally like, you are going to learn this lesson once and for all. You are going to, you know, my favorite question is, what are you pretending not to know? And you're going to mm. stop pretending not to know that you're, you know, that you're miserable. And I remember as I went to a doctor and I was like, okay, I'm losing my mind. I'm basically drinking too much. I'm waking up every morning, pretending I don't have a hangover, polishing myself all up again with the pretty clothes and the pretty accessories and the makeup and all the shininess, pretending I got my shit together. And so I started to go down this path with this doctor and I was like, what, what help? help. Like I'm losing my mind. And he's the one who helped me get into um, meditation and start to slow down and start to really reflect. And that's when I started to understand what this nightmare was telling me. And I would say that it probably took me a good of the year four to five months to get to that point, really to get to the point of even just slowing down, closing my eyes, listening deeply and reflecting and starting to understand what I was being shown. Four to five months. Four to five months. Okay. I want everybody to stop for a second. You're listening to this. I want you to stop for a second because every single week in the Facebook group, somebody comes on and says, I've been at this for two months and I don't feel better yet. I want you to stop for a second and think about the fact that it took Shelly four to five months to start to be able to listen to herself. Yeah. To start. To start. Yeah. Right. Burnout recovery is such a beast Mm -hmm. and it takes so long and that can be so frustrating for people. And I don't ever want to discourage anybody, but it is incredibly important to me to continuously get that message out there that it's not that you just realize, oh shit, something's wrong. And then in two weeks you fix it. Like, hell no, this shit takes time. Your brain is fucking broken. Like, and there's all, you know, there's all these. This is unlearning all the things that we've been taught our entire lives. And yes, that takes time. And I think the biggest gift we can give ourselves is to be gentle on ourselves and go with grace in this process. (laughs) Amen. 
it's hard. And believe me, I say that, and I'm not always gentle with myself, right? I'm still learning these lessons every single day. And I'll say like, just to continue on the timeline. So four to five months to just start to sink in and listen deeply and realize yeah. like, oh, there's a signal there. Yeah. And it's telling me something really profound. And yeah. there is, I am wildly disconnected from who I am. Mm -hmm. And I've attached my entire identity to titles and to global, sexy, iconic brands that I steward and support all the things. And when I started to listen, I realized that in this nightmare, as you know, I was seeing my dog who was, who had died before I went to Harley. And I was seeing him still alive, dying on the floor in this like remote utility closet somewhere. And it was fucking with my head because I was like, oh my God, my dog has been alive this entire time. And I forgot about him. Like I haven't been feeding him or coming to see him. And he's been in this closet and like, he was a little fat pug and he was so cute. Like all his rolls were like, you know, like just draped and cloaked out on the floor. And I was like, oh my God. And I realized that's when I say through meditation. So next step, I start listening. The doctor has me um, start simple meditation, like five, 10 minutes. We're talking yeah. super simple, not like yeah. go sit on a mountaintop for two hours kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Five minutes, 10 minutes, if you can make it, Shelly, just do that. And I don't care what you do, sit still. In this case, I actually started with the Headspace app yeah. because I needed something to guide me. I didn't, I was like, I don't know how to do this alone. And sitting just quietly at that point was not going to happen for me. Yeah. yeah and, it, and that's okay. Like I would just tell everybody that's okay. And so the reason I tell you this is then it was probably another like, month or so of me sinking into meditation and starting to understand the messages of what this nightmare was telling me. So now we're like, let's call it six or six ish months in. Right. And I'm at the point where I'm like, Oh, okay. So this is basically telling me that all the reason I've been feeling like shit and feeling empty and like embarrassed and guilty that I'm feeling this way is because nothing I'm doing is fueling me up from the inside out. Yeah. Everything is outside. It's all external validation. It's all everybody else's definition of success. What is my definition of success? But let's actually start with who am I? <laughs> like what lights me up? And so it was from that moment forward, really from like month six or seven to month 12. Remember, this is my final month at Harley or my final year at Harley, where I was like, okay, what does this mean? Because the question I asked for myself, I mean, there's a, there's a question I love. My version, well, here's, here's the question overall, because this may be really interesting for your listeners, right? I think I posted on Instagram today too. I said, you know, if... I continue living as I am now for the next three, five, 10 years or more. Am I moving toward who I want to become or further away? Oh, that's painful. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there asking myself this question at 46 years old. Mm -hmm. And so I spun the question to be, Shelly, if you feel like this when you're 50, like, you're going to have a short, miserable life. You're going to be one of those people who slugs it through until retirement and dies on the day after she retires. Yeah. Or you're not going to make it that far. Yeah. Or you'll get sick but is before. This the life, yeah. Is this the life you really want to be living? Do you want to feel this way? Because success, what I've realized is success is a feeling. Yeah. It's not a checklist. So I got clear on that. And then I was like, oh shit, what does that look like? And yeah, for what does next, that feel like? Yeah. Well, what does that feel like? And also now, what does that mean? What's the next right step for me? I don't yeah. know what the future holds, but knowing that I have said, I don't want to feel like this when I'm 50. Yeah. I really do want to get to know who I am outside of like, what if the most iconic brand I could ever represent is Shelly Paxton? How's that for a novel thought? <laughs> Shock, awe. Ah. Exactly. 
So I was like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. What does that mean? What does literally, what does that mean? And what does that feel like? And if I were to define success on my terms, I mean, I was speechless. I don't know. What does that look like? Yeah. And so that was the beginning of me saying, you know what, I'm going to take a break. And I don't know for how long. I don't know if I'll come back to the corporate world. I won't come back to the corporate world. I don't know if I'll end up, you know, like barefoot on a remote island for the rest of my life. Like, I don't know. I have no idea. But I'm willing to take that risk and invest in, you know, the possibility of my future self. Yeah. And And Glennon Doyle says that she, you know, it's when you know, not this, you might not know what, yes, but you know, not this. Yeah. And, and investing in the, what could it be? Mm -hmm. Right. And not knowing, knowing you don't have to have the answer for the rest of your life, but take one step forward. I mean, I always say every badass accomplishment is a series of tiny steps. Yeah. So what's that tiny step And the tiny step for me, which seemed again, shock and awe, as you just said, I was like, I I need to walk away from this. I need to do the thing that nobody in their right fucking mind does. And I need to walk away and give myself that chance to breathe and reconnect and really um, spend time with me. So I have a question. I made that decision. Yeah. I have a question because I talk about slowing down a lot on the podcast because I don't think that you can recover from burnout without slowing down. And I've done episodes about like, this is how you slow down because I've gotten questions that say, yeah, slowing down sounds good, but how do you do that? So if somebody came to you today and they were like, but how do you slow down? I've Mm. been pedal to the metal my whole entire life. And now you're telling me to slow down. But when I pull back on the gas, I feel like you said, I feel guilty. I don't know what to do with myself. Like how, how do you slow down? How is it possible? Well, and just for context, and you know this because you're reading the book, this was really, really, really hard for me. And, and, you know, I still have my good days and bad days, like days where I'm like, I'm a rock star at this and (laughs) days where I'm like, oh, right. Do I still have to learn that lesson again and again and again? And I'll be honest, I left Harley and I had days where I was like on top of the world. And I'm like, yes, best fucking decision I've ever made. Followed by the next day where I would be curled up in the fetal Mm. position position, crying my eyes out going, what have I done? I just gave up. And no wonder everybody's telling me I'm batshit crazy because I am. Look at what I just did. And I, can I go ask for my job back? Nope. They've already appointed a successor. Like that's all behind you, Shelly. And so here's the funny observation I made in those days when I was like, you know, on a crazy roller coaster. Oh, life's a roller coaster. Let's be honest. But in those early days, I was so afraid of white space on my calendar. Mm. So, and it's funny to me to say it now, I can laugh, but I was terrified. So I started doing the only thing I knew how to do, which is like, oh, well, I'll get more involved in the two boards I sit on. So I started scheduling meetings with all the people. And then I'm like, oh, well, hire a personal trainer because I don't have all the time to work out. So I hire, you know, put in the calendar, all this thing. And well, I need to have all those farewell lunches and dinners and drinks. So then I put all those in the calendar. I mean, and on and on and on, right? I literally filled my whole calendar for weeks after I left until one afternoon I was sitting there and I was like, I was feeling anxious. And I was like, and somebody, I think I was at lunch with a friend and she asked me, she was just like, so what does it feel like? Like, you know, is there just like this, like expansiveness? Like, do you feel so relieved? And I I really had to admit, I'm like, huh not really there yet. And then I was like, she's like, what do you mean? Like, you're not working. You like, you left Harley a month ago or whatever it had been. And I was like, oh yeah, I've been kind of, um, hmm, I guess I've been busying myself. Like I'm really good at the doing and I'm really bad at the being. And so that, so I want, I want everybody to have that context because I so feel the struggle. And 
I, so the first thing I did was I went to, like you, had to travel, thought I could like figure it all out on the road. You know, it's like, <laughs> just makes me laugh. Um, and I went to France through a, like serendipitous, beautiful serendipitous connections. Uh, an old acquaintance of mine invited me to her sort of like B&B in France. And I was like, beautiful. That sounds like a great place to start a sabbatical. And little did I know that I needed to go to France to be reminded of what it meant to slow down. Mm. because they live out in the countryside. And I started to remember the rhythms of like moving to the sun and like the harvesting for your, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. And the put, nobody has devices on the dinner table and the dinners are two hours long and everybody's fully present. And, you know, everybody actually believes in taking a bath a bath. I was like, what the fuck is a bath? Who takes a bath? Like, I don't bath. And I like literally learned to sit in a bathtub again. That was, I honestly, I believe that was my first moment of slowing down where I was like, oh, okay, I'll give this a try. Cause I started to realize like not everything needed to be at that frenetic pace. And the more I more I was experiencing that being and that being fully present in a moment and that moment just being. And then I put my ass in a bathtub and I was like, oh, oh, this is kind of nice. Yeah. Oh, I can just kind of sit here and oh yeah, now I can actually listen more deeply as I'm like sipping my glass of wine. And I honestly started to get addicted to slowing down because yeah. I've never, it taught me to be present. It showed me all the things that I was missing when I was going 55 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone. What is the value of being present? Oh, the value of being present is so beautiful. I mean, the value of being present is noticing, getting mm -hmm. curious. Like you see the little signs that the universe has been giving you and the little miracles along the way. And it sounds cheesy and maybe it is cheesy, but I've come to love it because now I, I mean, listen, there are some times where I'm still speeding through the slow zone, right? But when I'm fully present, I am noticing what's being given to me in every moment. And I am fully connected to the, myself and the people that I'm with. Yeah. And those connections, I think that was it, like with her and her family sinking deep into those connections and those relationships and with nature, just being in nature every day and going on slow walks and going on bike rides with her son and all of it. It's made me realize like, God, what have I missed in my life Yeah, by moving so quickly? And I told some stories in the book where it's like, I may have met my soulmate in Spain when I was 26 years old, but I was like, oh, got to get on the train, got to go do the thing, got to be at the place, got to go, got to go, got to go. That I literally waved goodbye to this guy, like, my heart felt like it was falling out of my chest. And I'm like, huh. That's probably a good example of like the universe going slow down. Like there's somebody really important standing in front of you. And I was like, uh-uh, gotta go do the thing. <laughs> and so soulmate, yeah, soulmate or not. It's hard. Yeah. Soulmate or not, there's there's just these important people that come through sometimes mm -hmm. that you miss. For but, a reason and a season. Yeah. But I did meet yeah. my husband that way. Traveling. <gasps> oh man. Traveling. We met. And one of the things that <laughs> connected us was him asking me to slow down he was like you fucking americans and your goddamn checklists for all the things you have to take pictures of when you go somewhere <laughs> he was yep. like it is 98 degrees outside it is a hundred percent humidity no one is going outside to walk around right now because it feels like death i was like but then what are we supposed to do he was like sit and i was like yeah. I don't think you understand my question. I said, what are we supposed to do? And he said, sit. This being thing is a mystery to me. I yeah. was like, I don't get it. Oh my God. 
project. I love that sit. And I was like, I don't think I just, I'm not sure that's, a, so I left. I, I walked out of the, we were staying at a hostel. We, I'd just shown up in Argentina the day before I left. And I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I got to go see something. There's, I'm in Buenos Aires, like, come on. And I went outside and I lasted about a block and a half. And then I turned around and like ran back to the air conditioning, begging it to take me back because I was yeah. like, this is awful. <laughs> it's awful out there. He was like, I told you it was awful out there. Sit. And I was like, Maybe I this just is don't an know. invitation to, yep. Oh my I gosh. Isn't it funny? And now, now we go, oh wow, I can see all the gifts that have come in my life. Your yeah. husband. Yeah. So many people in my life, gifts, things I've seen, connections I've made, insights I've had from simply being, sitting, listening. I say that this season in my life right now, I'm trying to spend more time laying in the hammock, like in quotes, because I live in the city and I don't have a hammock, <laughs> but like proverbially I'm laying in the hammock, like just allowing like whatever wants to come up to come up and reading some books and, you know, writing and all the things like we don't give ourselves enough of that time. That is where the magic happens. Well, and that's what Einstein says, right? Like most of his greatest ideas came when he was bored, that he, he would get bored on purpose for that reason. And I just don't think I'm as smart as Einstein. So I must need more time <laughs> being bored than he did. <laughs> exactly. And he needed so that much time. For the genius. Yes, I exactly. need more. I need more. Oh God, I but this is when all the best stuff happens. You write about this in your book too. Like that's what all the best ideas come from. This is where all the creativity comes from. This is where solutions that you couldn't see before come from. This is where everything comes from is the this slowdown. Is like consciousness and, con and connections and creativity and all of it. Yeah. So somebody's out there right now and they're like, I'm also petrified of white space on my calendar. I can't have white space on, I love white space on my calendar, but so this isn't for me, but somebody's out there right now saying, I, I can't, the white space freaks me the fuck out. How do they make this more doable? Yeah. I mean, I will tell you where to start, where to start. And by the way, I love white space now too, but it's taken me a long time to get there. Yeah, so again, same. again, like no shame, no judgment. We're all on this journey and Here's a, a way that helped me. So I have a little phrase. I love to create language. You know, I love to create language. And I call these meetings. So instead of meetings, it's capital M, capital E, tings. As in, it's all about me. Put it on your calendar, even if it's 30 minutes. I introduced this to a C-suite group that I facilitate all women, incredible women. It's so funny how we're all struggling with the same shit, right? Yeah. And so I was talking about this concept and the next month, the one, one of the women came back and she's like, I now have me 30 on my calendar every morning. She's coined the me 30 thing. And I was like, brilliant. So I say, take it and own it. But the idea is it's inviolable time for you and you alone. If it's 30 minutes, it's 30 minutes. If it's an hour, it's an hour. I know a woman who is a busy mom of two, both she and her husband work. They have two very young children and her revolutionary thing is she takes two hours a day for her. And she didn't even think it was possible. Her husband didn't think it's possible. Nobody in her world thought it was possible. And it's changed her life and it's changed her relationship with her husband, with her kids, with herself, in her business. She is like skyrocketing. So yeah. I will tell you that the thing that feels so impossible right now, start small. And what I can guarantee you is you will crave more of it. Yeah. So if you simply start with me 30, like meetings and it's yeah. inviolable time and 10, if that's what you got or 10 or 15, 10. yeah, right. Like do that's like what, what I did do. with meditation. If yeah. that's what you can do and don't even prescribe what you have, what you think you have to do with that time, wait until that time shows up and then ask yourself, what would serve you best in that moment? Is it simply closing your eyes? Is yeah. it reading a past the next chapter or even a portion of a chapter from a book you've been meaning to pick up? Is it journaling? Is it just yeah. listening to your favorite song in your earphones and dancing the fuck around your house? Like, what is it? And yeah. that, that like inspired 
triggered me to want to have more time for myself and create more white space. And then I started to do more and more with that white space. I don't know. Was it similar for you? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. When I first started, when I moved from Warsaw to Prague and I started a new practice, I cut down on my hours drastically because I thought that was going to be the solution to my burnout in Warsaw. I uh, was very full with, I was an acupuncturist in my previous life. I was very full with patients. I had a three month waiting list. Uh, every, anytime anybody canceled, there was somebody on a waiting list waiting, waiting to come in. So I just did not have any breathing room. So I was like, well, I, when I get to Prague, I'm going to change my schedule. I'm going to adjust my availability so I can only work a certain amount of hours. And this ended up be, working out really well because I rented a room in somebody else's space and, or two rooms in somebody else's space. And there was only so many hours that it was available. So there's your limit. And I was like, look at me. I'm a fucking genius. Now I'm going to have all this spare time. What did I do with said spare time? Filled it. Filled it. <laughs> with like nothing. I don't even know what the fuck I did. I know. I know. With nothing. I, I did, I've done the same thing. A value. A of just yeah. like shit. Just shit. Yeah. And then it got so, I got so busy that I got to the point where and I talk about this a lot in the podcast. One of my biggest uh, pieces of work with people is helping them deal with notice and work through and use resentment as a the most powerful burnout tool you'll have. Resentment Absolutely. is my favorite. Absolutely. Right. It's my yes. favorite. So this is, I talk about this a lot on the podcast, but this was the time where I started noticing that friends that I actually loved and enjoyed were writing to me and asking me if I could go out to lunch. And I was like furious with them for thinking that I had the possibility to go out. Like, don't you know how busy I am? Meanwhile, I worked 25 hours a week and I finished work at one o'clock Mondays and Wednesdays. Like I had plenty of time to go, yeah. go out to lunch. Like what the, but I was so angry with them for not noticing how busy I was. And that was the the era of time where I actually came across a burnout article for the first time. And I read it and my whole body tingled in recognition. And I was like, oh, fuck, mm -hmm. that's it. How did I do that to myself? Shit. And that's when. The process started. That was about five years ago now, thankfully, way back oh, when. The journey for about the same amount of time. Yeah. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah. There's here so we are. much truth in all of that. And that resentment bit. Oh, that's so true. Get curious. Get very, very, very curious when that starts coming up. There is language, and I talk about this in the book too. So very similar. I found myself saying, I'm crazy busy all the time. Mm. It was, I mean, literally, I think if there was like a word cloud created around that era of my <laughs> life, crazy busy would be the massive thing in the middle of it, embarrassingly now. And I think about that and I remember people would actually, people, friends stopped asking me to do stuff yeah. in that day and age because they were like, oh, we know you're always so busy. So I'd find like, I wasn't invited to something that was yeah. happening. Or I was like, oh, why haven't I seen that person? person who I love dearly. They're so much fun. I consider them a good friend. I'm thinking like, oh yeah, when's the last time I reached out? They probably just yeah. stopped calling me because I wouldn't call back or yeah. I would say, oh, I'm crazy busy. Maybe we can do it in two months. And then two months yeah. would go by. Yeah. So that's one thing I've eliminated. I do not like, I mean, busyness is worn as a badge of honor yeah. in our day, in, in our culture. And yeah. I don't like it. And so that is one thing I have said, nope, you know what? Like boundaries over busyness, boundaries over burnout. Like yeah. we have got to investigate because boundaries like, I mean, resentment is really a sign of like a violated That's boundary, right? my whole message. <laughs> totally. That's my whole message. That's what we talk about every week on Friday the Burnout Podcast. It. Yeah, it's because it's I so important, it. right? Yeah. And I'm in a busy phase of my life right now for the first time in ages because I made some poor choices because I started a new degree. I decided to do a new degree and I decided to do a new degree and take five college level courses at the same time while I was running girl. my business and my podcast. Like what? And what I realized was I had done so much burnout healing in, in every area of my life, but I never touched how I feel about being a student because I wasn't a student anymore and I didn't plan on being a student anymore. So I didn't take those lessons with me. I went back to old habits and I noticed about halfway through the semester, I was like, 
oh my God, I did it to myself again. Yeah, I was like, Britney Spears. Yeah, like, oops, I did it again. I booked up my schedule. I'm making myself crazy, right? Like I just, uh-huh. I found myself in this space and I was like, shit. And now I'm in final season. So we're recording this in December. This will come out later, but I'm taking, I'm in the middle of finals. I have five classes to do finals for. And I'm like, I keep telling everybody that I'm busy and I haven't said that in so long and it feels awful. And I can't wait Mm. to drop down to three classes next semester so that I feel like myself again. And the difference this time around, the difference that I'm experiencing through this is that I'm not being an asshole to myself about it. I love it. It's like we said, go with grace. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you did that thing because you didn't realize because that's a different area of life. Like, of course you didn't. That's normal. Like, of course. Well, let's be honest, like, and that is such an important part of this journey. Yeah. I'm sure you talk about this all the time, but that self-compassion yeah. Ooh, the self-acceptance, self-compassion, like, oh yeah, well, of course you did of it course. and lesson learned. Yeah. And then it's our choice. How exactly. do we want to respond? How, yeah. what will I do differently next semester? And you yeah. just said it like, oh, I'm lightning a load. Damn. Don't want to do that again. Yeah. Beautiful. And what I love is the story you just told proves the point that we were making about how you get addicted to white space. Yeah. It's like I told people when I took a big, long break from wine and I was like, I'm addicted to feeling good. (laughs) And I feel like white space is that for me too. Like I'm addicted to being creative. I'm addicted to like having big ideas. I'm addicted to feeling good. And that's what you get from that white space. Is that what successful feels like to you? Mm. Yeah, it's successful. It's funny. I was having a conversation earlier today and I said, you know, we we said it's a feeling, right? It's not yeah. a checklist. It's a feeling. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I did a solo episode and I, I can't remember all the questions that I was talking about, but the one thing that I remember is like, you know, it's okay. Like I used to go to bed feeling so drained. Mm. Like, you know, it's just like I had nothing left to give. I didn't have any desire to wake up and do it again. I was just, again, empty, right? Like the tank is empty on every level. And now success feels like I go to bed tired with a smile on my face. I go to bed tired with the knowledge that, you know, I don't feel empty. I feel full and I feel tired because I left it all on the field today. I showed up for this conversation and for my people and for myself. And that feels so incredible. And, you know, I always like, I have one measure of the work that I do. You know, I, I was beating myself up for a while. Cause I was like, well, my first book wasn't even on the New York times bestseller list or whatever. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like really seriously. Like that was Relax, your measure Shelley. of success. Shelly. Yeah, exactly. Hello overachiever. <laughs> so it was like, and then I'm like, no, wait a second. What was the thing I said from the very beginning? And the thing I said from the very beginning was like, like we were saying, like, I got you. I'm like, I, I just, I wrote this book because I wanted to put my arm around other people in this situation in a way that I didn't feel when I left Harley, when I was feeling burnt out and empty and like not knowing what to do. So I'm like, I got you. And then I thought, oh yeah, the only thing I ever wanted to do was to know I was impacting one beautiful soul a day. Yeah. That's all, or at least one. Yeah. Right. Just to know I touched someone in a way that's helping them rebel for who they are and what they want and the impact they want to have in the world and live life on their fucking terms and rewrite their script of success. Boom. That yeah. feel, that's what success feels like. Yeah. It feels like, oh yeah, that's. I did. That I did what I came feeling. to do. Yeah. I fulfilled I my I purpose to today. Yeah. And I did my best. Right. Because I think that's the other piece of it is like, some days I don't even know what that looks like, Yeah, but I'm kind of like, did I do one thing that scared me today? You know, did I live as authentically and courageously as I could today? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Even if that meant laying in the hammock, even if that, and especially if that meant laying in the hammock. Yeah. 
I love that example because it's so true. And that's what it's been. Like, I'm like, I'm in this like transitional season. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm spending more time in that laying in that hammock and that feels good. Yeah. And you need to lay in that hammock if you want to be showing up on stages. So you're looking to do more speaking. That's what's happening in your world right now to mine too. So we're both like, hi, everybody. We want to speak for you and we want you to actually pay us well. We don't care if it's virtual. <laughs> Amen, <laughs> sister. What she said. <laughs> I had somebody reach out to me recently and, and offer um, something. She knew what my speaking fee was. And she was like, but I can offer you this. And I was like, did you do the math on that? That's 6% of my Mm -hmm. (laughs) like really and I realized at that moment that I was getting a little resentful so here I need a boundary in place but I wanted to be gracious so how do I get gracious so I reached out to my community and I said hey is anybody available to do a speech for this amount of money for this amount of time six people wrote to me I sent her their names I said listen I'm not available for this but here's a list of people that can fulfill your need right now and then I thought Oh. oh this is what it feels like yes this is the ripples of impact, right? This is I it. Mean, that's, oh, this is, this is And this it. is how that's you create so boundaries powerful. without being a dick. Yeah. You know, like I yeah, hate it, the sentence. No, like I hate, I hate the no is a complete sentence. Like most of the time, if you just say no, you're being an asshole. Yeah. Like we deserve a little bit of humanness with one another. Yeah. So I didn't want to be like, um, do you remember my price? Yeah. Because like, mm. yeah. Yeah. That's not, well, that's not who also, I am. To be honest, I have also said, I had this experience like two months ago, very big technology brand on the West Coast wanted me to come in and speak to their like global female leadership. And it was yeah. a huge opportunity. And it came down to the fact that they were like, we don't have any money to pay you. And I was like, well, yeah. here's my fee. And then I, and then I stepped back and I thought about, um, I love this woman, Alexandra Carter. She's mm-hmm. well known. She, her book is called ask for more. Mm-hmm. She is, um, a negotiation specialist and yeah. she is awesome. And I went back to her book and I was thinking about it and I'm like, what do I really want from this? And I thought, okay, well, if they can't pay me what I'm asking for, then here's what they could do for me. Yeah. I want, you know, X, Y, and Z, right? I want the video footage. I want yeah. you to buy X number of my books. Yes. Same. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to mm-hmm. say that I spoke for, you know, this and put it on my website, whatever. I gave them my list of five things. And I said, fair enough. I understand that you might not have that money. Here's what would work for me. Yeah. And so to me, that's also a very gracious no to say, let's, then let's find another way. When they came back and said no to four and a half of five of those things, yeah. I just said, this is, this you absolutely don't actually isn't going to work. Yeah. Exactly. You don't this actually want me work. because if and you it's did so hard, it really yeah. is hard to say no, because I kept thinking like, Oh, but it would be really cool to say. And then I'm like, yeah, but I can't even really say that I did this thing. Cause I won't like put it on like in my speaking bio and in my, on my yeah. website. So this is silly. Yeah. So I just said no. Yeah. And yeah. Which, I love that. You know, it's hard. Yeah. But it, it is, is hard, but no. there is a way to, to set those boundaries and still be grace, gracious. And, and I think that that's um, a lesson that's being forgotten in the world of Instagram boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> So true. So true. I think well, that's listen, being and let's and let's be honest to your point about resentment. Had I said yes to you would have been resentful. The, I would have shown up so resentful, totally. mm-hmm. not in my power, not mm-hmm. as I am right now, not with my passion and energy, which mm-hmm. is frankly what people hire me for. Exactly. So I'm like, no. And yeah. I think that's what we all really have to remind ourselves of. It's like when we allow that, like a boundary drops, we allow that resentment to creep in. We're not showing up as our best selves. No. So it's like. <laughs> to me, we're abandoning it, ourselves. We are abandoning This is self-abandonment. It is. In my world. This is how, and I say it that way. And I know it's a strong wordage. And I say it that way very intentionally. Yeah. It that is, is self-abandonment. And we do not stand for that around here. Nope. I choose me. Get back into your power, sister. And that's where we need you there. um, Did we talk about permission slips? We didn't, but we are running to the top of the hour already. Oh my God. Oh my God. Isn't that wild? But before we do. This is so good. I know. I feel like we could do this for another couple of hours easily. Um, Before we 
sort of wrap up, your book is Soulbatical, but you also, because I know there's going to be some people on here that are going to be like, I love her. You also have a podcast. Tell us about that. I do. Rebel Souls. So, I mean, it's all the things that you and I have talked about today. I mean, Rebel Souls is, I like to say, it's flipping the middle finger to the status quo, you know, in life, (laughs) business, and the world at large. So, you know, it's really like us going, no, we're going to live life on our terms and rewrite our script of success. So I love to talk to people like you who are doing that. And what does it mean to live that way? And and what's that journey and the process and how are you doing? doing it. And so, yeah, that's what it is. We talk to amazing rebel souls across all kinds of industries and disciplines and just have fun with what does that look like? So we can all be inspired. I love that. I love that. And what I love most about this conversation right now is that you do not shy away from the ugly bits. And this is something that I, I am really careful about on my podcast because I don't want people to feel like things are unreachable. And like you said, I stumbled through this. This took me a long time. This was really hard for me. This was how I, this was the exact struggle. And this is how I got through it. I feel like there's so many stories out there that are already so polished yeah, that we forget to be like, you know what? getting through this was really shitty for me too. The thing is, it's worth it because it's really cool out here. A hundred percent. And by the way, trying to look really polished is what we got me in that shit in the first place. So hello. (laughs) Good reminder. True. But I really appreciate that so much because I think that when I, when I release an episode of fried, my intention is that one person chooses to heal. That's the intention. At least one person chooses to heal. And to me, you can't choose to heal if the vision that people are presenting is not reachable. Yeah. You don't make that choice in those moments. And let's be honest, you never have deep, vulnerable, your deep human connection without that vulnerability. You don't. It's just not there. No. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for taking me on this journey. I love meeting your peeps. Thank you. (laughs) All right, fried fans. I think you might want to listen to this one one more time because Shelly posed some really clutch life questions that will be summed up in the show notes, but you might need to just listen to them. And when you find one, I want you to stop and press pause and give yourself a moment to really think about what your answer is. Because these are the types of inquiries that will get you everything you need and everything you need to know about what steps you need to take to get where you need to go. I hope that you're the one that chooses to heal today. Until next time.